by Riverside. Welcome to my Black Book Journal. I have joining me Dr. Chuck Wallington, who wrote the book, A Seat at the C-Suite Table, Insights from the Leadership Journeys of African-American Executives. You all join me in welcoming Dr. Chuck Wallington. All right, Dr. Wallington, it is a pleasure to have you on my Black Book Journal. Enjoy reading your book. Um, We're going to just jump into it, and and I'm going to ask you my first question. So, uh, all of our guests know, uh, excited about season four. Uh, you're actually our first guest that we'll have on season four of, oh, wow. of My Black Book Journal. But we always ask our guests to share with us their career journey, what led them to this point in their lives where they wrote this, where they wrote a book. And so what led you to this point where you wrote the book, A Seat at the C-Suite Table? I will give you the very short story that has a very long story behind it. So the very short story is that um, I grew up um, in a two newspaper town where there were morning papers and there were afternoon papers. And so I grew up watching parents who read the newspapers. I knew very early on I wanted to be a newspaper reporter. And so I kind of Hmm. set my sights on becoming a newspaper reporter. And thankfully, I was able to do that. Um, I was a reporter for a very short time before I was blessed to segue into corporate America in an entry-level public relations and communications role. And as the good Lord would have it, over the course of a number of years, um, I would get promoted, I would take on more responsibilities, and I would look around, I would think, well, gee, where are the folks who look like me? And I just thought, well, maybe they don't work here where I work. Maybe they work elsewhere. It wasn't until I got older that I realized and looked around and I realized that the higher up folks go and are promoted in in corporate America, the fewer people of color you find. And so that became a real question mark for me on why is that? Fast forward to a few years ago, I made a decision to return after completing my undergraduate degree. I made a decision to return to graduate school, earn a master's degree, and then pursue the Ph.D. from North Carolina Anti-State University in Leadership Studies. When I was in the Ph.D. program, I had to pick a topic to do research on. And I said, the topic is right here in front of me. It's the question that I've wondered all my life. Where are the black folks who are in corporate America at all levels, but particularly at the C-suite role. And so that's what motivated me to do the research because my story is that I too am blessed to be a C-suite member and it's been a journey. And as I said, the higher up I go, the fewer people there are that look like me and the fewer black men that there are, the higher that I go. So this research focuses specifically on the journeys of 30 black men on their way to their respective C-suites. I wanted to understand what their journeys were, what could others learn from their journeys, how could folks be inspired, particularly the next generation of folks who want to go into the C-suite. So that's what this book focuses on, and it really parallels my own life in very many ways. And in your book, you you speak about that same thing, that this was part of your dissertation, Mm -hmm. and you really wanted to turn it into a book for a a broader audience. That's right. Can can you share with us a little bit why you thought it was really important to get the research that you did for your dissertation out into the hands of the public? Because there's some really 
good lessons that the 30 men surface as a part of their conversations with me that I thought others would want to know. Um, one of those themes is that if you, if you chat to these, these folks as a group, uh, there's, an, there's an awareness that there are a lack of mentors, role models, coaches, and sponsors. So for the men that I interviewed who had mentors, coaches, sponsors, and allies, they raved at what a difference that made in their own career trajectory in their own journey. And they talked in vivid detail about what it felt like to know that you had someone who was a mentor, who had your best interest at heart, who said, I'm with you on this journey for the long haul. They talked about how important it was to have coaches. People could say to them in the comfort of an office when it's just them, hey, you may have missed this opportunity. Next time, approach it that way, right? So those who had mentors, coaches, sponsors, and allies raved about it. There were just as many who said, I've never had that, have always wanted that. And this is what my experience has been like not having someone in that role. So it was those stories and those experiences that I felt compelled to package to share with other people. And I want people who are currently working in corporate America and aspire for more to understand from their journeys and to learn. I want those who are in corporate America who say, you know what, I'm good where I am and I want to get better. The stories are for them. In particular, though, Danny, it's the generation behind us, mm-hmm. right? It's folks who it's it's the young men and women who are standing around now thinking, OK, I'm in the seventh or eighth grade. What do I think I want to do for a living? Or I'm in high school and I'm thinking about what I want to major in when I go to college. What are my opportunities? I'm in college. I'm trying to declare a major. What am I going to declare as a major? And are there people whose stories I can read about to better understand if this is what I want to do? That's the purpose. That's what I want people reading the book to get out of it. There's also another important audience, right? There are folks who don't like you, look like you and me in color, and will read the book and say, I never knew. I had no idea that the journeys of my black and white and brown counterparts were so very different from my own journeys. So that, too, is part of what motivated me. Yes, it's for people of color to inspire and to inform them. It's also for folks who do not look like us, who want to understand what our journeys are so that they can make different decisions as they are able to hire and promote people. Yeah, I think that really speaks to. Something that spoke to me in the book as a as a black man that is in a leadership position is how honest and vulnerable these men really were. Yes, they were. And were you surprised by that, that they were so honest about their experience and even the fact that some of them spoke about the loneliness uh, mm-hmm. that they experienced in leadership, uh, about being misunderstood, like you said, about not having those mentorships or sponsorships? Mm-hmm. Like, Did that surprise you? It did not. If you, if you get us by ourselves in a one-on-one setting, you know I'm telling the truth now, Danny. If you just right. get us by ourselves, we get past the titles, we get past all the expectations, and we just start having a very open conversation, brother to brother, it's going to come out. And so I was not at all surprised that you know folks were being very, very open about what their experiences were, and they were sharing their experiences. And uh, at the end, some of them talked about how therapeutic it was to be in a safe space to be able to have those conversations. My challenge 
as I was doing the interviews, because these were all 30 different individual interviews, confidential interviews, my, my, my challenge and my opportunity was to go back to my days as a reporter where I was mm-hmm. taught my job is to ask the questions and keep my opinions to myself. So I would, and we get to the end of the interview and I would turn the recorder off and I would say, man, I can't tell you how hard it was for me to keep my thoughts to myself while you were talking because I could so relate to what you were talking about. And that's where the bonding occurred between me and these 30 men. So I was not at all surprised. People were just yearning for the opportunity to tell their stories. Yeah, I was, you know, I I agree. I wasn't as surprised, but I was, and I get that they used a pseudonym, which I think also probably helped that they didn't have to necessarily go on record to share these things. But I really appreciated that, that in my leadership journey, and some of the things I've experienced, I wasn't alone in that. And, right. uh, and, and so I think it does create that sense of reality. Like mm-hmm. you said, for those young leaders that are coming up, like, mm-hmm. hey, this is something to aspire to. But That's these right. are some of the challenges that also may exist along the way. I also mm-hmm. appreciate it. And you hit on this, that there's a different demographic that may encounter this book. And when they read it, they may not understand how we got to this place. And so right. you take time to lay out how we got to this place in U.S. corporations. Why was that so important to you? Because the history and the context are important for understanding what our journeys are and what shaped those journeys. So if nothing else, I wanted people to be able to understand very early on in the book, there's some history here. There's some context as to uh, how people of color came into this country to begin with. There's context to what happened to us after we came here. There's context to understanding how uh, families, black families were split up, right? And black men in particular were relegated to the lowest parts of society, as the research continues to point out. All of that, Danny, has informed and shaped our journeys up to this point. So in order to understand and appreciate these 30 black men and where they've been blessed to get to, you have to really step back and understand the history, or as our ancestors would say, from whence we've come. So that's why I took the time very early on to provide that context to pe- for people to understand what the literature already says about our journey. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, and I really appreciated the research that you shared in that. And I think others will as well. I think when you get this book, you read it, you'll appreciate that you rooted in that, that historical understanding of how things got this way. Let's, let's pivot a little bit um, and talk about your process Right. So you started this journey, you said, and it was part of your dissertation. Mm -hmm. Tell us how you this research, this process impacted you along the way from picking this topic Mm -hmm. to graduating to now publishing and releasing Mm -hmm. this book. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'll start with the end. So I publishing this into a book was never on my list of things to do. I was trying to graduate. And so, (laughs) so as I was finishing up the process, um, you know, I have a committee, had a committee of five uh, folks who hold PhDs who were the, the, who were standing between me and me graduating. And so along the way, as I was preparing to defend my dissertation, one of my committee members said, Chuck, you have a book in all this research. In my head, I thought, all I want to do is defend and graduate. A book is the last thing on my mind. And so the good Lord allowed me to finish and graduate. And about nine months later, there was something inside of me that was just gnawing that said, okay, part of what you're expected to do once you earn your PhD is to publish. 
I had two options. I could have published in the academic space and a very limited number of folks would have seen this research in the academic journals. Nothing wrong with that. And I could have gone down the road less travel, which is to try to produce a book. So the very same professor who encouraged me, who said, you have a book in this, also connected me with an editor and a publisher. And then we began that process, which really took two years um, to convert the dissertation into a book that would be enjoyed by a broader uh, marketplace. So that was the process. What I learned through all of this is that um, I too have a story, right? So the the book begins and ends with reflections on my own journey. Um, What it also told me was that part of what I believe my purpose on earth is, was to share these 30 stories. Uh, because they're powerful. In and of themselves, they're powerful. When you put them together as a collective, they're very powerful. So I do believe that's part of what the good Lord wants me to do and wanted me to do, which was to to share those stories. Um, so I learned, I learned that that too is a part of what I'm supposed to do. Beyond that, I remain open to wherever this book goes and wherever it leads me and wherever the stories of these 30 men lead other people. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I want to, you do book in the book, like you said, with a understanding of, hey, these, this is how I've been impacted. But you, you took nine questions, right? And you use that approach to ask each one of these executives, you know, these questions to ensure that you got, um, that it was consistent That's uh, right. along your research. That's right. I want to kind of turn the tables on you and ask you a couple questions right, go from it. your book. Um, so one of the questions you asked is what would you like to have more of in your leadership journey? Mm -hmm. Can you answer that question for us? Sure. I would love to have had more mentors. Mm -hmm. I can count on one hand with fingers left over the number of mentors that I've Mm -hmm. had. I probably had two, maybe, maybe three, maybe I've had three mentors and I, I'm one of those who wonders what would life have been like professionally if I'd had more mentors, if I'd had mentors earlier in my life and in my career, and if I had more of them along the way. Um, but I didn't. That just wasn't my lot in life. What I have had, though, is I've had some excellent coaches and sponsors. The reality is that none of us would be where we are if we didn't have sponsors. Sponsors are the people who are speaking on our behalf when we're not in the room. They're the ones who are saying, you know what? Danny's a sharp guy and he can do this job and I support him, colleagues, and I encourage you to do the same thing. That's what a sponsor does. And so I've certainly had sponsors along the way or else I wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you. But I certainly would have loved to have had more mentors with whom I could just have that conversation about this is what I'm thinking or I tried this. I don't think it works. What do you think? Haven't really had that and certainly wish I'd had that along the way. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Second question. What barriers impacted your leadership journey? Being a black male. Hmm. Yeah. Being a black male, the good Lord created me this way and Early on, I realized that I, I needed to lean into that. I am who I am. And my parents taught my sister and me early on, if you get knowledge in your head, as my father used to say, folks can't take that away from you. And so both of us have focused on the fact that if we get knowledge in our head, that can't be taken away from us. And um, we have to figure out how to use that 
um, to complement the way the good Lord created us. So, yes, yeah, being 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 a black male has been a barrier that I have worked. Uh, I've I've learned to work around. And mm-hmm. as I get older, wow. and and you're not as you're probably not as old as I am, but as you get older, you care less about. Mm. The fact that in my case, I'm a black male, I am who I am and uh, I embrace every day who I am. I'm thankful for who I am. And again, part of what I'm doing on this journey um, with this barrier, if you will, is I got to leave the door open for the next person coming along behind me who looks like you and who looks like me. I couldn't agree more with that. And my last question from your research would be, what advice do you offer to other African-American males who aspire to executive leadership roles? Be really clear on your vision, right? Where, where is it that you want to go if corporate America is what you want to do? Okay. So be really clear. Um, then understand why. Okay. If this is your vision, why is that your vision? And then thirdly, what are you going to do to prepare yourself to get there? And you're not going to have it all figured out at one time, but you have to have a roadmap. You got to have a game plan. You have to start from somewhere. So you have to have a couple of steps um, outlined and you got, and you got to put one foot in front of the other and try it. Um, you know, my creator reminds me that, you know, if we make one step, he'll take two, right? He'll make two. So I, I've tried to live my life that way as well. And so that's my, that would be part of my encouragement to other people. Be really clear on your vision, be clear on why that's your vision, and at least have a couple steps that you're willing to take to test that, right? And then, you, again, your creator is going to let you know, yep, this is the right path for you, or mm, no, it's not, it's this instead, and be okay pivoting if it's this instead. Yeah. And I was really I was really appreciative that you spoke on that in your book about your faith. Right. Like and how that has impacted you and the decisions that you've made. And even that, you know, you, you you didn't shy away from the fact that like, yeah, this is this is a very strong impact in my life. And I'm glad that you mentioned that as well, um, because I, I know a lot of men are pursuing leadership positions. But then how do they balance the rest of life? How do they how do they navigate everything? that they've kind of been given stewardship mm-hmm. over. Mm-hmm. Um, and what lessons have you learned from that, even as people seek to, I won't say climb the corporate ladder, but to advance in leadership roles mm-hmm. to also not neglect the other areas of their lives? Right. So, you know, several of the men talked about the importance of their faith, uh, it's, you know, faith, family, and, you know, fraternities, right? So those, those things are friends being key key and foundational to their success. So uh, like them, I don't shy away from the fact that there is a higher being who is orchestrating all of this for me. My job is to be in tune and then to follow. Um, so, there, so there's that piece. Um, I have also learned, and, and the men whom I interviewed reinforced this, that there's there has to be balance, right? You can't aspire for um, a successful career in whatever industry you choose uh, and sacrifice yourself and what works for you and what, what works for your family. You've got to figure out how to carve out that balance because if, if you don't figure it out, someone else will carve it out for you and it may not be the way you want it to be. Yeah, that's really good. Um, you speak about this in your book, but somebody may be listening to that and they may identify with the fact that they don't have mentors in their lives. And I would say, hey, you need to read this book. I think this can be a tool to help 
mentor you. I think mm-hmm. we have those distant mentors. We learn from other people's stories, but they may be saying, but I'm looking for somebody that's a little closer to me. And you talk about this. What can somebody who is on that upward trajectory, they, they're they pretty clear what they want to do, but they're not really sure how to get there. Mm-hmm. What would you say to them? Find somebody who is doing what you believe you want to do and reach out to them and ask them for 30 minutes of their time. We live in a virtual world now, so you can go to LinkedIn as an example. You can find people who do what you do. If you reach out to them, it's highly likely that one of them will respond back and say, hey, here's my email address. Let's take this offline. Yes, I can give you 30 minutes. So that's where I would start. Now, it may mean that you get rejected a couple times. Don't take the rejection as failure. It just means that you've not been directed to the right one. So uh, so that's what I would do. Reach out to people whom you know, ask for 30 minutes of their time, and then use that time wisely. Be really clear on if there are one or two questions for which you want answers or points of view or perspectives, um, go ahead and ask. I've always found, though, that people love to talk about themselves. And so if you reach out to folks and say, hey, you've done some great things. I think I want to do the same thing. Would you mind sharing your story? Folks are going to tell you their story. They'd be happy Mm -hmm. to do that. So that's the first piece of advice. The second advice would be um, your mentor doesn't necessarily have to be someone who looks like you. Again, several of the folks in the book talked about mentors who were white, who opened some different doors for them than others. So be okay, you know, with a mentor who's white, be okay with a mentor who's, who's a female. If you're a male, it really is okay. What matters with mentors is they have your best interest at heart, both personally and professionally, and are going to be in it with you for the long haul, whatever the long haul happens to look like. So that would be my advice for folks who are seeking a a mentor. Be willing to put yourself out there. Be willing to ask a few times. Be okay if you're rejected. Consider that a blessing because that's not the right person. And then once you get them, you know, take advantage of learning all that you can from them. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you for that advice. Um, So tell us where people can purchase your book. Um, Where can they go? The book is out now. So tell us our audience a little bit about where they can go purchase your book. So the book is a seat at the C-suite table and it can be found online at Amazon or any online book retailer. So would would love to have you uh, purchase a copy, but equally as important, share the stories, share the Mm -hmm. stories of these 30 men and their experiences and find yourself in there. Yeah. And if you're a mentor, then purchase this for your mentee. Give it to them. Y'all go through it together. You discuss this. I think it would be fantastic. I've been blessed to have fantastic mentors in my life that have helped me tremendously, that have helped me succeed and corrected me when I failed and helped put me on the right track so that it wasn't ultimate for myself or my career. And so I I can attest to how important it is to have good focus in your life. Um, Before we get you out of here, we have this segment on my Black Book Journal called Reading Brings Me Joy. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell us something that you've read recently that has brought you joy. I am reading Courtney Vance's uh, book, and uh, it's it's an amazing piece of work, which really parallels, if you think about it, the journeys of these 30 men. So Courtney Vance is talking about his own life's story, um, some tragedies that occurred there, um, how he sought counseling 
you know, to deal with those tragedies, but he really delves into his life story from the perspective of I'm, I'm a black man and these are the challenges that I've faced here, are the obstacles that I've dealt with and I've overcome them. And here's how, uh, he's also a dad as well. And so he talks about how he is, he and Angela Bassett, his wife are also bringing along their children, right. To make sure that they are able to deal with what life has to offer them. So, uh, that's the book that's currently on my nightstand and it's a great read. And I encourage folks to read that as well. That sounds good. Thank you so much, you all. Thank you to Dr. Chuck Wallington for joining us on My Black Book Journal. Please go purchase a copy of his book, A Seat at the C-Suite Table, Insights from the Leadership Journeys of African-American Executives. Like he said, you can get it anywhere online where you purchase books. Uh, Dr. Wallington, thank you for being a guest. Pleasure's been mine. Thank you very, very much. All right, you all. Until next time, See, we'll see you later.